Hello, and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, Jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest, podcaster, writer for MetalInjection.net, bassist in the prog rock band Allo, and longtime friend of the pod, returning voice, Daniel Cordova. What if I just didn't have a voice right here? It'd be like the perfect... <laughs> anyway, uh, hi. Thank you for having me back, sort of, here again. <laughs> yes, longtime fans may recognize this voice as someone who was my producer when I first started the show and has been featured in many, many episodes, but never as a guest with his very own interview. So it's about time. Mm -mm. My first time with any sort of movie opinions of my own, really. All the other ones were fed to me and I had to say them or else, you know, I got the hose again. Yes, if you listen to episode, insert number here. Episode 11. Where we talked about Metallica, everything that we said there was a script that I wrote. Mm -hmm. Everything, every stupid thing that I said <laughs> was a script that I chose. So think about that. You have a lot of strong opinions about Metallica I wasn't expecting, but you know, I just read the page. <laughs> that's that's honestly one of my most embarrassing episodes because I have listened back to them, partially just because, I don't know, it's just interesting. I've gone through so many phases of my life over the course of this podcast, and that's one of the ones where I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm not quite that person anymore. <laughs> I'm tempted to do that with my old podcast, The Boring Lies of Interesting People podcast, Blipcast, but I'm also scared to do that. <laughs> that was maybe a decade ago, longer, and yeah. what, what's that guy up to? I don't, I, I'll just let him be, I think. <laughs> you don't, do you not do Blipcast anymore? Uh, we had grand plans to like revamp it into something else during like 2020 because we didn't do anything for like nine months as you know, the world's falling apart. We were trying to just like kind of stay focused and, you know, keep saying and all that. And then we had these ideas and they just never happened. And uh, we hung out once since then, never brought up the show. And I think it's just kind of quietly done and hmm. that's fine. Yeah. I'm seeing, I'm actually seeing Katie Lidalami's Chaos with the K, Mesmero the 31st, et cetera, et cetera, at the end of next month. So that'll be fun. Nice. Maybe I'll bring it up then, revitalize. You know what just occurred to me? The long title that Daniel just said for the name of our friend Katie Lady Lemus Mesmero the 31st is that. I could tell you all of it now. Is, is that the end of it? Is that her age? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been 10 years, and I just realized that. Yeah, the number is supposed to be like an upgraded model or something, I think was the joke we initially said. So every year was just the new model. Nice. A 10-year joke with a 10-year payoff. Yeah. <laughs> the payoff was big. <laughs> well, you have selected a movie for us to discuss. Speaking of 10 years ago, it was released approximately thus. But before we get into your chosen movie, I'm going to ask some questions to let our audience get to know your experience of movies. Groovy. Do you consent? <laughs> I consent to questions. <laughs> okay. Including that one about being <laughs> consented upon. Perfect. What was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters? So the word remember should be underlined there. <laughs> I know. I, I have a really hard time remembering the first movie I saw in theaters. I actually had to ask my mom what it was in fact. And she told me it was Aladdin, which was mm -hmm. 1992. So I was four. But the movie I remember going to see was in 1995 with my grandfather and my cousin Dana, and we were going to go see the Power Rangers movie. Ooh. I remember being in the car going to, going towards the theater in Arizona where my grandparents lived, and I feel like my grandpa had no idea what he was getting himself into, you know, a, a dubbed kung fu movie with that had like dubbed? so much no, well, I just mean like, you know, Power Rangers famously is like a show that has chopped together footage to make new storylines. So I imagine the movie's the same thing. Are you just learning this for the same time about Power Rangers? Yes, I <laughs> okay. did not know this. I forget how much of it is a carryover from a Japanese show, but then like when they go in on the actors and stuff, at least in the American version, they pre-filmed all that. So if they're not wearing a mask, that's new footage. But then like all them flying through the air and stuff, that's all repurposed stuff. Whoa. I'm 80% sure that's that's true. As I talk it out more, the percentage <laughs> is dropping, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. And I assume the movie was the same, but I don't remember seeing the movie at all. 
I remember going to the movie. I remember afterwards feeling like my grandpa was confused <laughs> and thinking the movie was cool because I was seven or something. So that's the first movie I remember seeing in theaters. Nice. What do you remember about the experience of seeing it? The feelings that you had about the experience, if not the movie? Uh, I mean, going, I was super stoked because I love Power Rangers. It, it was just the action show I watched every weekend. And I didn't watch it enough to really know any storylines, but I had my favorite Power Ranger, who was the, uh, the red one, because... I'm basic but uh <laughs> yeah going i was super stoked to just see the power rangers on the big screen and like it was always a treat hanging out with grandpa and my my cousin and i didn't get along but whatever <laughs> <laughs> we basically didn't until like kind of recently but even that it was just like carryover feelings from when we were like shitty teens to each other me to him <laughs> when you when you went to the movie did you have to sit with your grandpa in the middle so he could keep you from like biting each other oh probably <laughs> classic kid behavior do you remember anything like it's the first time you remember going to the theater. Do you remember feeling like, like, oh, theaters are cool. I love seeing a big giant movie or any kind of feelings like that. Maybe not then, because I guess I have gone. I had gone before that because my parents took me to see Aladdin. So I had gone to the theater, but that is the first time I remember going. So to have the feeling that I'm seeing something foreign and new and a giant spectacle might not have been there. So I, I don't recall that part. Gotcha. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you remember grandpa. You remember your cousin feud. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. I remember driving through the very hot Arizona desert to the theater. Oh, man. That's that feels like a cartoon on Nickelodeon. Like I can see like the sequence. <laughs> what was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters without any grandpas or cousins or supervising adults? So I, I think I've told you the story. and I think I've told the story on another podcast about what that movie was, but I don't think it's true in hindsight. <laughs> I think I've mentioned seeing Goldmember in theaters alone mm. and that being the first time I remember doing that alone. But I think before that, my timeline's fuzzy. I went to a birthday sleepover thing when I guess I was like 14. I don't know. But like we went over this guy's house. We all hung out, had a hella pizza. And then we all went and saw Alien versus Predator. Ooh. I have yet to and did not see an alien or predator film before or since then. <laughs> oh. And I don't like scary movies. And it's like a movie of like cheap jump scares and like <laughs> monsters fighting each other. So I was having a bad time. Oh, no. But so anytime I knew something scary was going to happen, I looked at the very bottom right corner of the movie theater at a specific chair and just kind of let it like flash on the screen. And I didn't see it because I was a coward <laughs> and I still don't like being scared. But I think that was the first time because it was like no adults. The guy's mom just sent us off and was like, here, get out of the house. This is part of what we're doing for your birthday, I guess. It's this and pizza, kids. That's so fun. Do you feel like, oh, I'm going to say that again. <clears throat> That's so fun. <laughs> do you feel like, do you feel like you have a strong emotional reaction to emotions and films in general? If you're someone that gets scared of scary I do find myself attaching myself to characters and stories and stuff in media a lot, like TV and movies. Certainly, I get too invested in characters and they make me sad. And I think also part of going into scary movies and just not wanting to be scared is I know I'm going to be scared and I don't like to be scared. Whether it's real or fake, I don't want that. So, yeah, I think that's part of it is just not wanting to have the investment I know I'm going to have and then just like have a bad time. Mm, okay, so part of why it is scary is that you you do get invested in characters. Mm -hmm. hmm. That one, I think I was more like kind of just going along with the group and this is what everyone else picked to see and I wasn't going to fight them on it. And we went and I didn't have a great time. Bummer. So it definitely was not a like, yay, no parents. It was like, oh, God, no parents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. I mean, it, was, it was it was already like I know my parents thing because we were staying at this guy's house, but then it became something else where we all went out, left her behind, and you know left his mom behind. For an editor's note, I decided to look it up. Uh, Gold members like two years before Alien versus Predator, but oh, yeah, maybe cut that part out because <laughs> then there's a better story. <laughs> <laughs> and you've already told other people the Gold member story, so this is an exclusive. Yeah, exclusive. Do you remember a time where you did have fun and you went like as a teen without parents to the theater? Holy shit, I just had a recovered memory. <laughs> no, okay, so it's not it's not Alien vs. Predator. It's not even close. Oh my God. I was nine years old, nine or 10, and my mom's best friend, this lady named Tina, she actually did the food at my wedding. 
her son was like tasked to watch over me one day. So we went to the old Cinemark Theater in Woodland or whatever the hell it was by the mall there. I see a lot of movies at malls. And we saw went to go see a movie. He wanted to see whatever scary movie was in at the time or some action film. But I wanted to see Jack, the Robin Williams movie with Jennifer Lopez where he has advanced aging, aging disease. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And all I remember about the movie itself is at one point he's in a big concrete tube eating gummy bears and JLo asks him for one and he <laughs> offers it to her. So I remember being so confused watching this movie that it wasn't a comedy because Robin Williams, the genie was in it. Yeah. The funny guy from all the stuff. But no, oh he was being God. mostly serious about a man who actually is a child who is just slow, not slowly dying faster. <laughs> Damn, that is intense. Wow. So sorry, that's the feeling I remember having in the theater is confusion <laughs> that it wasn't funny. Gosh. So yeah, so you have a lot of bad memories at theaters. Honestly, I'm surprised you haven't developed an aversion to them. Although maybe you have. I know you've walked out. You've walked out of movies. Mm -hmm. I walked out of three. Which are, what's that thing called? Starts with an E? Ender's Game. Ender's Game. That was just, that was just a... Uh, bad harrison ford being no it was harrison ford <laughs> being a dick to a child for no reason yeah. that's just how i like i never read the book so i didn't have that part of that like a connection to the film that people are mad about because like oh they ruined the book like no this old man just being mean to a kid <laughs> turning him into like a war criminal turning him into like a drone fighter this movie sucks yeah it was a bad movie and it is a good book and it's a very it's just such a different book i don't know that it needs to be a movie a series maybe because so much happens but yes, uh, what other movies have you walked out of? The first Harry Potter movie. Mm, terrible. Yeah, it's. I'm amazed that that movie became a franchise like it is. Not just because of, you know, the person who wrote it being a monster after the fact, but that first movie's really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Harry Potter, I guess, had the the financial like impact from people going to see it to make other movies. So maybe based on that alone, they were able to make others. But if it was based on the like, well, the plot, the, everything about the first one was just rough. So yeah, no, couldn't hang. And I didn't really want to see it. I decided I didn't really want to be into Harry Potter anymore when it came out. So <laughs> I was just good to leave. And the one before that was uh, Lost in Space. My dad and I went and saw it in theaters. He loved the TV show growing up. And I left partway through because I had to go to the bathroom. And, oh, yeah. all the <laughs> and all the toilets were clogged, so I couldn't poop. So I came in and told my dad that we had to go because I had to poop. I still have it seen the end of the movie. <laughs> That's right. I remember you told that story in an episode with uh, Ribs of Babel, former yes. guest. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's the downside of coming and doing this part is I don't know how many of my like anecdotes about movies I've said before, but if that's the greatest hit, it's the greatest hit. Yeah, and, and that's people okay. The hits. I don't know if people have listened to 10 years, 10 years backlog of the show anyway. <laughs> this might be their first time meeting you. So it all works out. I looked up Jack and I'm just like, I've never heard of it. And it is directed by Francis Ford Coppola, Jennifer Lopez and Robin Williams. Like this mm -hmm. is, it sounds like someone just put some ideas in a hat and pulled them out. <laughs> like, Fran, Fran Drescher's in it, Diane so Lane. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, I think the commercials were at the time, because, you know, all the uh, 90s movie commercials were like, he's the new guy on the street. He's coming around. He's going to have a great time. He's Jack. Oh, wait, he's seven or something. <laughs> And, you know, like Robin Williams getting into childhood antics. That seems like a fun time. That's the entire career of like Adam Sandler, like in the 90s, where he was just like being a goofball. So that's what Robin Williams is doing. But no, it's because he has a physical problem. Wild. Apparently it is a comedy drama, which it doesn't sound like it would be funny. It, it maybe had moments that were kind of, you know, kind of funny in the story and kind of breaking tension. But yeah, at a 96, it came out. I guess I was eight years old. I didn't get it. <laughs> I bet. I want it to be funnier. Yeah. Do you remember, were you afraid of it being like a real disease after that? No. I, I mean, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Good question. I is think disease. it might actually I I knew somebody in high school that had it but like I think the movie it shows it in a late in a light that's not as common where it's not that rapid and stuff like there was definitely a, a guy I went to high school with progeria also known as Hutchinson Guilford syndrome okay why the hell did they make a comedy about a real disease that <laughs> kills you early <laughs> no, 90s movie there were there were fewer laws back then <laughs> damn 
Uh, next question. Other than the movie we're talking about today, please tell me one of your favorite movies of all time and why it's one of your favorites. My, my actual favorite movie of all time, which I was tempted to talk about for this, but when I boiled it down to it, I don't know how like much fun conversation there is, is Wally. Mm. Wally is my absolute favorite movie. It's a largely silent film with a lot of beautiful music about two robots who fall in love all while on a dead earth and trying to find a new place to live and, you know, resurrect humanity with plants. And it's a very beautiful movie. It's a very dark movie. It's a it's a robot love story that ends with a Peter Gabriel song in the credits. So like, it feels like a movie that was made for me. I love that. Oh man. I, I think just the Wally character design just makes me smile so much. And I want to watch that right now. It's like my go-to movie, even though it's like <laughs> a, a, a cute romp with a very dark under thing. <laughs> it has great music too. Just like thinking about it, I can sort of hear the music playing. It's just like very mm -hmm. soothing and atmospheric. Yeah, I've, I've listened to the soundtrack on its own and it's like subtle, but it's very effective. Mm -hmm. Low key, like the soundtrack is like her, the movie her, but like for kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's even kind of like her even more because it's robots in love, except, you know, her is a robot and a human. But in this case, they're staying with their own kind robot on robot action, but mm -hmm. parallels. I think Wally was my favorite Pixar movie for a long time. I think it still might be. What, what might unseat it? I did really like Inside Out, but I do like robots better. Like robots are just always going to have the upper hand over humans. Inside Out like is a movie I felt like I related to a lot. And that's one that made me really sad. So I, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it has that working against it, but I think it's a beautiful movie. But you know, she was moving to a new place when she was 10 and she really didn't want to leave her old life behind. And that's exactly what I had to deal with. So mm. that's, that's more my memory towards it. So like when everyone cried about Bing Bong, I'm more <laughs> sad that she doesn't want to move. <laughs> yeah. 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 I relate to that too. And I, but I, I also need to see red turning red, turning red I need to see turning red because I could see that one being a contender, but I haven't even seen it yet. So I'm not sure. And then soul was great too, but soul, I will never watch again because it uh, absolutely triggered my fear of death and uh, sent me into a spiral for two days. <laughs> but how are you with, Co how are you with Coco? Oh, I fucking love Coco. I forgot that's Pixar. Yeah. That's Pixar is also, oh. a I mean, Coco, Coco is also a contender. That's very deathy though. For some reason, it doesn't trigger it as bad. I can see that. I feel like Soul approached it in a much more realistic way. Like, even though it had this fantastical creature, I don't know. Soul just felt very real. And Coco felt incredibly fantastical to me. But it still did trigger me a bit. <laughs> just not as bad. Overall, how would you describe your relationship with movies? Casual watcher, hobbyist? Do you think movies change your life? Or are they just entertainment? Tell me about it. I think movies are an incredibly powerful thing that change people's lives that don't really hit me that hard. <laughs> Even though I said that Inside Out is something I relate to a lot, I don't think it really changed my life. Uh, I would describe myself as more of a casual watcher because I never really thought about all the negative experiences I had in movie theaters until we listed them all today and I thought <laughs> of other ones. But like, I kind of hate going to the theater and when I watch movies at home i rarely feel like there's something i want to rush out and watch we'll be doing the thing where we go from every streaming service to try and find something to watch i'm like oh yeah it's cool let's add that to the list for later but there's rarely something like oh i want to go see that and i haven't really had that in a long time although i am really looking forward to a very stupid movie next may but that's its own household meme bit thing what is it fast and furious 10. oh <laughs> I, I think all of my friends ironically see those movies like they none of them. I don't think they think it's good, but everyone watches them. There's definitely an ironic undertone to our thing, but we started watching them as a goof because of the Nicole Byer, Lauren Lapkus podcast. But then we're all in. We admit they're absolutely absurd and so stupid. But what are they going to do next? We have to know. And we're going to be there. <laughs> that's fun. I, I mean, that's one of the things that I love about movies is that they bring people together in all these different ways. There's no one right way to enjoy a movie or watch a movie. Not on your cell phone. Well, you know, that's the way I think. Well, not on your cell phone in the theater. Because that, <laughs> that is what I have encountered multiple times, which is part of why I don't like going to movie theaters. Or, you know, I think there's a way to enjoy a movie if you're around other people. But if you're at home, yeah, do what you want. Absolutely. Don't interfere with other people's enjoyment, whatever. However you're doing it, leave other people alone. Yeah. 
oh, what do Nicole Byer and Lauren Lefkis say about the Fast and the Furious movies? They will. Actually, that one had a guest host in for Lauren, but that's fine. That's on me. Uh, had John Gaberson, but they will just like talk about the movie start to finish, describe the plot. Uh, usually they fixate on how sweaty and buff all the actors and actresses are and how terrible they are at acting and how absurd the stories are. But still, they're like, they're like me. They're like a lot of Fast and Furious watchers like this is absolutely bonkers. What are they going to do next? So it's definitely got that like awareness that these aren't Casablanca or whatever, but they're a lot of fun and they make fun of them and have fun with them while seemingly earnestly enjoying them as well. I love that. Yeah. Interactive experience, which I think is a lot more interesting than like passively watching something. It's great. Mm -hmm. This is the space where the ads go. What's new listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. Here on the program, we give reviews and recaps for books, movies, and TV shows, with a whole bunch of special guests who join in on the banter and breakdowns. Maybe you want to hear about a contemporary romance novel, like The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Or maybe you want to hear about an MCU show, like She-Hulk. Or how about the best movie of 2022? Or at least, that's my opinion. Everything ever on at once. You can hear all of these discussions and more on Two Cents Critic. It's time for another Future Predictions with Mixtape Majesty. Today's prediction is for Jessica Hart. In 2023, Jessica is going to try a new food that she's never tried before and wonder, where has this been all my life? Jessica will tell her friends about this food, who will tell their friends, who will tell theirs, setting up a chain reaction of food love across the nation. Jessica Hart is one of the three hosts of Opinionated Blushes podcast, a drinking variety podcast with three Canadian women that love alcohol almost as much as they love talking. Opinionated Lushes recently did a 16-hour live stream to raise money for 541 Eatery and Exchange and Epilepsy South Central Ontario. 541 Eatery and Exchange is a volunteer-run nonprofit community space committed to making their food affordable with a pay-it-forward system that allows hungry people in need to get a good meal. Epilepsy South Central Ontario is a nonprofit charitable organization that provides education, information, and support to families and individuals. They are dedicated to improving the quality of life for persons living with epilepsy, with adult support groups, Sunny Days Camp, Seniors Helping Seniors, and more. To donate to Opinionated Lush's Tipsy All The Way charity event, check the episode notes for a link. Jessica Hart is also a singer whose beautifully catchy tunes you can find on Spotify. The future. The future is incredible and we are living it right now. We are living in a world where Darth Vader can Kamehama the Jonesy cat off of my back. The future, technology, it's amazing. I, for one, love it. And you know what's a new piece of technology I just heard about? It's called Newsly. It's an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up most trending articles on the web on topics that you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. The entire web becomes listenable for the first time all in one place, Newsly. You can browse articles from topics you choose. Stop scrolling, start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or even the Kardashian. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. Oh, it's just like daddy technology reading you a bedtime story. Love it. And they have podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries. Our podcast, Bring Your Own Popcorn, is there too. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. That's newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code OWNPOPCORN to receive one month free premium subscription. The future is now and it's beautiful. (laughs) 
I'd recorded that. <laughs> uh, okay, we are going to get into our feature film <clears throat> after I clear my throat. <clears throat> we are going to get into our feature film for today. The featured film we are discussing today, chosen by Daniel, is a 2010 romantic action comedy film based on a graphic novel series by Brian Lee O'Malley. The series takes place over six graphic novels at approximately 1,200 pages, with a story that takes place over the course of one year, while the film adaptation takes place over approximately two months. Yeah, the time frame's kind of weird. I don't really know. What's that? <laughs> what did I say that made Siri think that I was talking to her? My uh... iPad is just yammering on at me. <laughs> uh it takes up. place over uh, maybe that kind of sounds like hey siri i don't know oh it's the series maybe series <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm sorry where did i uh takes place part. over okay approximately two months and then you responded or or one very long <laughs> week <laughs> the soundtrack of this movie famously features songs from radiohead producer Nigel Godrich might be how you say his name. Pretty sure. I've gotten approval from the writer of Metal Injection. <laughs> Therefore. <laughs> yeah, we know Radiohead producers over at Metal Injection. <laughs> I got God. It says Godrich. I don't know. Probably. Something Never heard like it that. Loud. As well as Beck, Metric, Broken Social Scene, Cornelius, Dan the Automator, Kid Koala, and David Campbell. The movie was released in 2010, just seven days after the sixth and final book in the graphic novel series was released. The music was a box office bomb that failed to recoup its $85 million production budget, but the film got positive reviews from critics and over time developed a cult following. It received over 70 awards and nominations and was considered for nomination at the 83rd Academy Awards for Best Visual Effects, but ultimately was not nominated. I didn't I didn't really understand that. <laughs> How do we know something's considered? I don't know. It was on the Wikipedia where it was like it was on the shortlist for Best Visual Effects. And I was like, what does that mean? They were nominated. And then I looked at the nominees and I was like, no, but they thought no. about it. They thought about nominating it. And who told this person that wrote that? What's the citation know. on that? <laughs> I didn't click on it. <laughs> I'm fine. just going to trust it. However, the popularity of this film has led to tons of merch, video games, a 10th anniversary re-release, and inspiring other films with its transmedia narrative, which is the use of multiple aspects of other media, such as video games, music, and comic books, prominently in the film. The movie we are talking about today is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Written by Michael Yay. McCall and Edgar Wright. <laughs> and directed by Edgar Wright as well. Sure was. <laughs> Daniel, you have chosen this film. Yes. To get us started out. Tell me, in your opinion. What are the most important things that happen in this movie? The story, like you said, is an action comedy romance film. And it is Scott Pilgrim, who is a depressed kind of loser kid, meets a girl at a party and they decide they want to date. But in order to win her hand, which is putting it more eloquently than the <laughs> movie does, he must defeat her seven evil exes in combat because the world that they live in, it seems to be within a video game. So like there's extra lives and if he defeats people, coins come out. So he goes through these seven exes battling them while learning about her past and kind of getting over his own. But that part is really me kind of pulling in what I know from the graphic novels a bit more. So if I just isolate it to the movie, that part's a little shaky. Uh, but yeah, so he's got to defeat these seven people to, to win her hand and hilarity ensues along the way. And he does. <laughs> <laughs> True facts. Yeah. What is your favorite scene in the movie? Oh, my favorite scene. There's like a really stupid moment in the film, which 
the film has its problems. I rewatched it recently. And of course, watching it with like the modern lens, you kind of fixate on certain problems with it. But <laughs> I, I can talk in my way in and out of those all I want. But there's a scene when his Scott's now ex high school girlfriend comes over to the apartment and his roommate is there and he's trying to avoid her. So he opens the door and she, he says that Scott's not home. And she's like, really? And he's like, yeah. And he jumps out the window. He's like, he just left. That that image of him just jumping through the window like a cartoon is so funny. And then he comes and then, you know, grabs his hat. It's that that's like one of my favorite stupid moments from this movie. But like, I think it's just so visually stunning. Like you, you mentioned the was it transmedia? Mm -hmm. the, the way they incorporate video game stuff into this. And I was aware of Edgar Wright kind of beforehand, but like seeing his like vision with music being involved in this because like the music is so important in this movie and it's what got me into this theater to see it but like the way he combined everything into just this hodgepodge it's like i think it's a visually and just like sonically it's a perfect film story like i said eh, we have it has moments <laughs> but it's like got problems but i i think outside of that it's it's so beautiful it's so great to look at and listen to i love it yeah, visually, it is a movie that is very hard to look away from. Like, I would I would want to challenge anyone to be like, tell me you can, like, look away from this movie because you're always wondering what next crazy video game thing is going to happen on the screen. There's really cool shots, including the opening title sequence mm -hmm. when you're seeing the band from the perspective of the 17-year-old girlfriend. Uh, but the camera zooms out and the room just starts getting longer and longer and longer yes. into like this huge long zoom shot and then the title like drops in it and it's just yeah visually stunning and i think watching it once is like an experience but then if you watch it again knowing there's like easter eggs throughout the movie because like with every x you can find what number x they are in the background or like hints throughout the entire film and all these like little things about them and it's so fast because i've seen this movie dozens of times and i was still finding new stuff and like knowing what i know about like edgar wright's sense of humor and the fact that chris evans is in this movie in like a weird early role before he got fantastic four so one of the characters later in the movie is wearing a fantastic four shirt kind of <laughs> as a jab at chris evans i guess or like a nod to him or something <laughs> wait who was chris evans chris evans was the second evil x lucas uh, lee lucas lee oh wait who else is chris evans he's in fantastic four is he in anything else captain america oh man he looks so different in yep. scott pilgrim I think his look was trying to just look like the comic. So he was drawn poorly uh, to your aesthetic eye or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did a great job of translating the comic book characters into, into actors. Although I would, I feel like not so much with Scott though. I don't, I don't really see Michael Sarah as being. I always hear that criticism and I don't, I can't imagine who I would have put in that role other than him, but that's also was my introduction to Scott Pilgrim. I went movie first, then the comics. Hmm. So like in my head, reading the comics, I'm like, I also kind of picture Michael Sarah, but that was my <laughs> entry point. But like as, actors of now ugh, 12 years ago, I don't know who would have been better there. Yeah, probably. I think he does a good job at it. No, yeah, he does a great job in the role. I don't, I don't mean acting wise, but just appearance wise. I feel like they somehow nailed the appearance, like Brie Larson as envy just like totally Absolutely. looks like the comic book character to me and ramona also does just appearance wise michael Sarah doesn't look like scott but he does embody him as a yeah. character okay sure yeah he needs a rounder head maybe yeah they should have stretched his face out is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> they should have made him like a hamster and had him store sunflower seeds in his cheeks to make it just make him a little just the whole movie yeah <laughs> then uh adr him speaking otherwise you have like mouth yeah yeah perfect who are your favorite characters in this movie? I love Wallace. I think he's hilarious. I think while she's definitely the uh, manic pixie dream girl trope, I think Ramona's amazing. I think her character's really cool. I think just having a hammer in her purse and going through like his subconscious, whatnot, that's just like a really cool, interesting power. I think the X's are a lot of fun. I think Chris Evans' X is especially fun just because he's he has this line when he thinks of a funny joke and he thinks it's really funny he goes actually it's hilarious to himself <laughs> to nobody else and it's just such a cocky funny thing yeah that sound clip has actually gone viral recently uh well i don't know if it's gone viral but it's being used on many tiktoks lately <laughs> on oh. just whatever 
Best character of the film, Crash and the Boys. Crash and the Boys. Oh, yeah, the ones who get evaporated during the first battle. Mm -hmm. They have the incredibly short song, Is That Girl a Boy? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree that Wallace is a standout. And my other favorite character is young Neil. Mm -hmm. Almost every time he has a line, like it evokes a kind of laughter from me that I don't do very often. It's just like, he's so funny. The way that mm -hmm. that kid delivers his lines are is hysterical to me. <laughs> Through editing, the character that Aubrey Plaza plays is fucking hilarious. Oh, yes. Like when she shows up in the movie or the music store and then she's at the cafe, she just shows up when Anna Kendrick is leaving. God, it's and then just how she how do you do that with your mouth and she's like <laughs> censoring herself but you know that's aubrey plaza being aubrey plaza so yeah always gonna be 10 out of 10. she definitely does the best in movies when she's basically cast as herself mm -hmm. it's like she doesn't need to be anybody else <laughs> i love envy even though her character is I, th I think brie larson did an amazing job and she's almost unrecognizable to me as far as her character goes from other characters i've seen her play like i think she did a great job this cast is really kind of a who's who now but like oh. then, I don't know how well-known a lot of these people other than Michael Sarah were. But like looking back, it's crazy that it's like Anna Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza, Chris Evans, uh, Ellen Wong, who went on to be in Glow and was great in that. Uh, Brie Larson, Kieran Culkin, who's now apparently killing it in Succession, which I haven't seen. But, you know, there's so, so many things to watch. You know, Edgar Wright went on to do great things as well and all that. Yeah. Now that you say that, everyone except Michael Sarah. <laughs> uh he got killed in that apocalypse movie <laughs> has he done anything since then that's a great question i know he put out <laughs> his own album called true that that's kind of interesting actually it's not what oh. i call good but it's intriguing <laughs> it's like a it, mostly instrumental indie thing he put it out on Bandcamp. and didn't really like make a fuss about it hmm. what the fuck is michael sarah up to hey siri tell me that i really wish i would have jumped in right there he's been like voices in stuff i feel like that's been his game lately oh uh there's arrested development where that came back again and again oh yeah He's people also ask why is michael sarah not cast anymore <laughs> uh this year is in pause of fury oh good <laughs> uh, something i've never heard of called crypto zoo in 2021 three things i haven't heard of in 2018 the lego batman movie he's robin oh that's his big break yep <laughs> that's why the kids know him he's in twin peaks he is. So it must be in the new one. I haven't seen yeah, that one at all. It's something. Um, he secretly welcomed his first child with his wife. So I guess he's busy. Yeah. That's a pretty important thing to be busy with. But apparently, according to this random blurb from the internet, he didn't like being on top. <laughs> hmm. That's a little personal. No, he said he didn't really enjoy being an actor and all the weird stuff that comes with it. And he also was not willing to move to the Los Angeles area very understandable okay yeah so he went and had a baby instead i respect it anyways back to scott pelgram yes tell me about the first time you watched this movie where with who what was your response then and tell me about how it's changed since then i don't remember who i went with the first time uh it's very possible i went solo but the reason i went is because this movie came out in a weird time to be a fan of the music of beck hmm. Beck is my favorite artist, but he put out an album in 20, 2008 and then kind of announced that he was retiring from touring and just started doing production stuff for people. So when I found out he had music and ties to this movie, I was like, I'll go see the Beck music movie. I don't care. So I didn't, I knew it was like a cool, visually stunning video game movie, but I wanted to hear the Beck stuff. He basically plays in all the sex bomb music on the album. And there's versions where he does the songs and it sounds a lot like his album, Modern Guilt, that came out way before. Yeah. So I was mainly going for the uh, the Beck stuff. And then I fell in love with the movie because of the visually it's amazing. It's the video game movie that like, I think I still think it's like the best video game movie in that it's a movie that takes place in the world of a video game. Mm hmm. But also that bar is kind of low when the next best one is probably Wreck-It Ralph. And then it gets fuzzy. But yeah, I, I adored it then. I, I decided when I first saw it, it was my favorite movie. And I think I saw it again within the week. And I told like everybody I knew to go see it. <laughs> so I got like a mini cult of, to get involved with this cult following of this movie. I've seen it a handful of times through the years. And one time I was Scott Pilgrim for Halloween. <laughs> that was fun. I think that was the last time I shaved my beard. <laughs> Just a fun fact there. On purpose. Wait, on, did you shave it on accident and then just went for it because you figured you'd do the costume? The costume was at the insistence of somebody else to shave it, to commit to it. 
I, I what a bitch. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at the time before that was an accident, but may yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that was the last time I shaved. And then, like, over the years, kind of growing up myself and seeing the movie, I have my issues with it. Like, I think the the whole Knives Chow thing is both kind of blown out of proportion when it's, I, like, put on a microphone glass or magnifying glass, but also gross. Because, <laughs> you know, he's 22 in the movie. In the book, he's 23. But, like, in the book, he doesn't really even see it as a relationship. But it's definitely, like, taking advantage of the attention and, like, whatever this, this girl and that's fucking gross, but he's in like a really bad depression and everyone's trying to like be like walking eggshells around him to like not point out he's throwing his life away, except for Wallace. Wallace is the only one to like cut the bullshit. And Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, and you I actually know, think everyone, yeah, everyone, actually, is... everyone, everyone, yeah. As I started saying it, yep, everyone's on alternate title for this movie could be Everybody Hates Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, in the books, he like kind of realizes that's the problem and sort of regains his confidence because he went through a bad breakup that just wrecked his life for a while and made poor decisions through the way but in the movie you know it's an hour and 40 minutes or something you can't really dive deep into that um which made me when i was revisiting this movie this week saw there uh, in the very early stages of an animated series of the sh of the, the mm. books so like cool and brian's on board for it so maybe we'll maybe expand the universe a yeah. little and do all that but uh yeah i still think it's a really good movie um knowing going to school and like taking more film classes i see some, kind of the cliches and the tropes in it but like i still think it's a lot of fun i i still love the music of it it gets me hyped every time yeah good shit would recommend i'd be like hey there's that one weird thing but other than that it's great <laughs> <laughs> yes it is a ton of fun so that was your okay yeah i think you you already answered the entire question someone took notes I do have physical notes, but they're not that interesting anymore. I think I touched on everything. Yeah, that was very thorough. Usually I have to like prompt people to keep answering the question, but I think you nailed it. Keep answering. Do it. Say more words about the Goofy movie. <laughs> no, that one was a lot of fun too. Oh, I love Diana. She's so cool. Yeah, she was great. Did not need to prompt her. She couldn't stop talking. <laughs> I, I could tell. <laughs> That's what, but I mean that as a compliment because it's like one of those ones where she's super stoked to talk about yeah. the movie and you know that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a blast. Yes. Well, that brings us to our final ish question. How would you say that this movie has changed or affected your life? This one is hard. As much as I love this movie and obsessed about like aspects of it going into it, like I said earlier, movies don't really make a huge impact on me and like change my life sort of way i i guess it made me more aware of like editing to sound which is something i knew of in theory from going to school and like taking film classes but just the way like certain sounds hit and they're like so dramatic with the visuals you know which edgar wright then who directed uh the uh, also problematic uh, baby driver hmm. did like editing to sound way better in that movie and just like made it more impactful timing with music cut uh, beats and stuff like that. So those two together, like, I think a really interesting view of that. And I guess made me more aware of that kind of thing. But as far as like my outlook on life and all that stuff, I don't know. I think it's kind of just a fun movie. I don't really take it super seriously, but it gave me more Beck music. So that, that was improvement. What do you think the ultimate message is like the finale First, tell me what the finale of the movie is, and then tell me what you think the message of that finale is. Oh, I think the message of this movie only really comes through if you've read the books. Mm. I'm one of those people. Mm. Uh, the message of the movie is just kind of that Scott needs to better himself, and he needs to kind of work on himself, but he keeps going from like these relationships to kind of find that thing that like gives him meaning or something. And also Ramona needs to find that as well. Cause like, she has this like streak of all these guys that she broke up with who are all pissed at her. So that she's like the new boyfriend has to fight them, but she kind of like becomes the reason they're all pissed when they should also just kind of get over her. This is all babbling. Edit this part out. This is bad <laughs> <laughs> or leave all that in. No, but like, I, I do mean that it, it's muddied on the movie. But in the end of the movie, he fights the seventh ex Gideon and it's revealed that she has some kind of mind control chip on the back of her head, which also that's not in the book. That's super weird. Hmm. It's never really discussed that she has like a mind control chip and that's a technology in this world, but it's a video game. 
sure he's a villain i guess it all checks out there hmm. but watching it again i'm like oh that's kind of strange that it sort of came out of nowhere but so she takes off the chip she fights him with scott and knives so they all kind of battle him as this symbolic thing of them coming to terms with themselves and the the space they're in and then ramona goes to leave and knives tells scott to go after her and he does and that's how the movie ends but i think in the books it's expanded more about how much of a fuck up scott is and how wary he is and, and in the movie he meets nega scott which is his dark personality his dark thoughts personified and they just wind up chatting it out and decide they're gonna have lunch later if they would have they didn't have the time to it or it's so weird that they couldn't do it on the movie but like that's i feel really important because it's him coming to terms with like negative feelings and all this stuff in the film but they don't really do that in the books it's it's definitely more to that yeah i think in the books doesn't he break up with knives like pretty quickly like maybe the first book I believe so. Because this whole the whole movie takes place over all six books, which, like I said, is twelve hundred pages. And mm -hmm. I haven't read; I've only read the first three, and then I read the Wikipedia summary of the other ones. <laughs> yes. And yeah, the knives thing is a lot shorter. Which, because I, I was trying to think, yeah, like how could they expand it a little bit more and still fit in every scene? Because there's no scene that jumps out to me. It's like, oh, you could do without that, unless it was just shorten the knife stuff, because the emphasis on how long it takes him to break up with her and basically cheat on two people at the same time makes him just seem like such an asshole. But if you mm -hmm. had cut that out sooner, which I think it does happen a lot faster in the books, then they would have had more time to do. They would have had less scenes of him like stringing along this <laughs> young lady. Yes, exactly. It, it would have felt less gross, I guess, and maybe not. Well, it was still the age gap and the adult and child thing is still there, but it would have felt less gross, I guess. Yeah, because I can't really even figure out why they did focus on it as much as they did, unless it was like they really wanted to show people like, look at this guy. He sucks. Like, was that the point? <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like a his rock bottom or he's just like in such a depression that he is just trying to find some human connection. And like, he's just like around somebody and he's happier with that. But, you know, they she thinks he's her boyfriend. So everyone else sees this as a huge problem and it, it definitely is a problem but then like when she starts to become more serious it's definitely when he should have shut that down yeah but that's also when Ramona is around and then the cheating thing becomes the issue yes well my final question will be asking you to say anything else to make people watch it but before we get to that do you see yourself continuing to watch this movie yeah, I think so. It'd been uh, a few years since I've seen it again, and it'll probably be a couple years before I rewatch it, just because that's my usual turnaround with movies that I even the ones I love. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I could absolutely return to this movie and I'll probably look for more Easter eggs as I'm rewatching it to like make more of a game of it. And yeah, because I don't know, I kind of feel complacent when I watch movies I've seen a million times. I could just play my Switch or mess around my phone. But this one, I feel like I can find new things every time. And I love that about it. Nice. Share, share some Easter eggs. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, there's like a lot of the little numbers in the backgrounds of the scenes. Like it'll be spray painted on a wall or something. Early in the movie when they're walking through the snow, there's a giant X on the screen that's kind of giving you a hint at the X being the problem with their Ramona and Scott getting together. Then before Wallace points it out, when she gives her number, there's the seven X's on the, the like little sticky note, which then becomes less of an Easter egg and more of an <laughs> Easter gift or something. <laughs> then there's the God, i can't even like really pull anything out of my head right now <laughs> are they hiding the, like easter eggs yeah now they're receding in my head again but i mean there's all like the little noises that are homages to video games that are fun oh, like yeah. there's a zelda noise there's a mario noise which those are all fun if you know to listen for them i guess yeah the first couple of scenes are just like full of like old school like super nintendo zelda sound effects and they they give me i, I just get a hit hit of serotonin every time mm -hmm. one of them happens feels so good <laughs> <laughs> yeah is there anything else that you want to say about this movie either to convince people to watch it or just anything else you want to share about the movie if you are a fan of like classic 90s video games and just like that feeling that you get because we were talking about the sounds that happened through this and you kind of wish you could see the characters of a side-scrolling 90s arcade game in their day-to-day -day. this is that because they even actually made a side-scrolling homage to that era of games that is i'm terrible at i want to <laughs> play it and love it but i suck at it but if like if you kind of want the not office comedy version of their lives 
this movie is that the music's a lot of fun that's such a visual treat and it's a lot of things i like that both feel nostalgic and super fresh well the first time i saw it in like a blender and then poured down my throat and (laughs) (laughs) it made me so happy to watch it for the first time and revisiting i still find things i enjoy about it and you will too and if you don't your money back from not me uh Michael Sarah, he's not up to anything. He can give you money back. You heard it here first. If you don't like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, <laughs> Daniel Cordova promises that Michael Sarah will give you money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the bring your own popcorn promise. <laughs> Just connect us and I'll have a very awkward conversation and make that happen. <laughs> hey, dude, why'd you say that about me? <laughs> Is it legally binding if you put a question mark at the end of it? <laughs> yes. Shit. It's actually extra. Oh. If people would like to hear more of you, Mr. Cordova, where could they do that? I have a heavy metal interview podcast where I talk to basically fan out on my music heroes called Far Beyond Metal that you can find where podcast well and at farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. Every Friday, I write the weekly injection for metalinjection.net where I discuss albums that have dropped that week. I play bass in a band called Allo. We play progressive metal and you can find us at aloprog.bandcamp.com. It's spelled the phonetic way, but it is A-L-A with a little halo over the top of it because we like to make things complicated. <laughs> and you've got song and three on it. Song three, a.k.a. D-Y... God, <laughs> I'm terrible at this part. D-Y-B-D. Yes. It'll always be B-Y now to me. B-Y-D-Y. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being an official guest at last on the show. Finally, it's happened to me. I've been on Bio-P. <laughs> Perfect. Bio-P. <laughs> Bio-P, the name of my podcast. <laughs> Bio-P podcast. And remember, folks, Bio-P. <laughs> Bring your own popcorn. popcorn, popcorn. I'm a popcorn frog because I get it with my tongue. Carrot from the count, I can't wait to get it on. So I saw it in my seat with my water and my twizzle. Frog a popcorn like a popcorn shrimp and sizzle. Here's what you ought to do if you want a policy. Know what them to got your tongue like a little froggy do. Bring it on back like a dragon for a float. I'll finally get a popcorn frog. Don't say I didn't want ya. We are good. Okay, what the hell am I doing? Preaching yes. choir, stoking ire, etc. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Because, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I guess I don't need to start shitting on his looks. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to be like, he's so ugly and later he's cute. Nah, I'll just leave that out. <laughs> M- he maybe looks very will... different. Real quick, uh, you accidentally said microphone lens instead of a microscope. So just say the word microscope. What's funny, I don't think I wanted to say either one of those words. I wanted to say uh, magnifying glass. Oh, okay. Just say that. Magnifying glass. Magnifying (laughs) glass. Magnifying glass. A magnifying glass. Whichever one works. I'm giving you options. I know, because it's going to be, you're going to be like, yeah, but if you like put it under a magnifying glass. Yeah, but if you put it under a magnifying glass, is that better? (laughs) With you laughing in the background? Either way. No, I got separate tracks. I can delete myself. Oh, shit. Say more words about the Goofy Movie.